This is ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That's right. Can you dig it? It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Can you dig it? The Jordy Holbert Show with your host, the blonde bomber himself. Can you dig it? Jordy Holbert. A great good afternoon to you and yours. Tell the truth Monday to tell you the truth. I don't know what to expect from LSU once they get into SEC play. Raging Cajuns, man, your offense was blazing in the fourth quarter. Your defense mm, couldn't get it done. McNeese, come on back. Come on back home. Lick your wounds and let's move on. And the Saints, 1-0. That's all that matters. I don't care if it was an artistic beauty or if it uh, wasn't. Saints are going to have us on the edge of their seats all year long. It's Monday, September the 11th, the year 2023. It is great to be with you. Thanks so much for dialing us up in whatever form or fashion that you do, because uh, here's where we are. We are coming to you live, 1 to 3 p.m. each and every day, Monday through Friday. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette ESPN. We're also on ESPN 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming all over the world, thanks to our free mobile app, ESPNSouthwestLouisiana.com. Our guest list today, Chris Rose for the Glue, will join us in about 10 minutes or so, and we'll uh, recap the Saints' win over the Tennessee Titans. Um, Derek Carr wasn't pretty in his first game with the Saints, but he got the job done. His best throw of the game came on a third down with under two minutes left. The Saints needed a first down to get the win. He hit Rashid Shaheed for a 41-yard game to ice the win. Of course, the star of this game was the Saints defense that shut down Derek Henry while also picking off Ryan Tannehill Three times the defense kept the Titans out of the end zone, and that's the reason why the Saints come away with a one-dip win. Looks like the Dallas Cowboys might have the best defense in the NFL. The combination of Tua and Tyreek, woo, for the Miami Dolphins is something to behold. And the best team after week one so far? Man, the San Francisco 49ers are something. Brock Purdy, you worried about him? Nah, not anymore. He is something. They've got a great defense. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got Ayuk at wide receiver. Kittles, wow, what a club they are. And, of course, everything gets capped off tonight on Monday Night Football right here on our stations with the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers hosting the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, College football. For the first time since 2002, according to ESPN Stats and Information, Alabama, Florida, and LSU all have a loss by the end of week two. For the first time since, get the date, 2002. Texas handed the Crimson Tide a 34-24 loss Saturday night, their first double-digit defeat under Coach Nick Saban and his first as a college head coach since 
2003. 2003. Texas A&M lost at Miami 48-33. Jimbo Fisher still under the microscope. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Um, so the SEC, not, not exactly setting the world on fire. Uh, two-time defending champion Georgia still number one. Haven't played anybody yet. The rest of the SEC looks rather ordinary. It could have been even worse for the conference on Saturday. Tennessee led by only seven at the half against FCS program Austin P before pulling away for a 30 to 13 victory. Ole Miss beat Tulane 37 to 20. The Greenies played without their star quarterback, Michael Pratt. The Rebels scored 10 points in the final two minutes to pull away with that one. Kentucky trailed FCS program Eastern Kentucky in the third quarter before finally getting things together in a 28-17 win. Missouri beat Middle Tennessee State by only four. Mississippi State defeated Arizona by seven in overtime. And Auburn survived by far at California, which missed three field goals. Hmm. Hmm. Might mean a lot less in this league in December if things don't turn around. For LSU football, um, look, they took advantage of what they needed to take advantage of. An undermanned grambling. They put up 72 points. I said, yeah, I said last week, just post a score. Whatever score you want, LSU can get there. I didn't, I didn't think they'd get 72. I thought they'd get 60-something, but they got 72. And look, Mississippi State is not Florida State. They're not as talented as Florida State, but they're a lot more talented than Grambling. So the truth of the matter Two games hasn't given much of an idea of what to expect from this Brian Kelly team in a conference opener that ticks off at 11 a.m. in Starkville. You know, look, we saw we saw Logan Diggs play well, right? We saw that. Um, John Emery Jr. is coming back. Uh, the freshman running back looks good. Harold Perkins came around and did some things. Uh, as he got back to his outside role, um, you moved Lance Hurd into the starting uh, left right tackle position, moved Emery Jones back into right guard. So so we'll see. We will see. It's difficult to tell just how much improvement the Tigers made from week one to week two. You had a 21-point loss extending to a 62-point victory. So who knows? Right? Who knows? Um, we're going to find out an awful lot. We're going to find out an awful lot. There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. Uh, Brian Kelly, we've got some sound. And uh, Brian Kelly, after the ball game, um, some some important things were a running game. And you you got to take it into consideration who you're playing against, but after not playing in game one, Logan Diggs, the Notre Dame transfer, played played exceptionally well. And here is Brian Kelly talking about Diggs and the running game. 
Yeah, you know, he's, we knew what we were getting with Logan, and, you know, he played for me at uh, Notre Dame, and I knew what we were going to get from him. It just a matter of getting him healthy. Um, we weren't going to play him unless he felt really good, and he felt good and had a good week of practice. And, look, you got to prepare the right way. He prepared the right way, and he was ready to play. And I think we saw the, the kind of back that um, is going to help us. And, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, Caleb – you know, brought a toughness and physicality to our running game as well. And, you know, we uh, we get Emery, John Emery back next week. Um, you know, we, we think we, we've added to that position where we, we should have a real effective running game. All right. We shall see about that. Boy, it was a gut punch for the Raging Cajuns, a 38-31 road loss to Old Dominion. Um the Raging Cajuns offense came alive, drove 90 yards twice in the fourth quarter, only to walk off the field losing by a touchdown. Here's Coach Mike Desimo um, after the ball game talking about, uh, man, what, what a what a what a gut punching loss this was. Here here's um here's his thoughts on the loss to ODU. Um, you know, I mean, it's a tough one. Uh... It's it's always tough whenever you uh, whenever you come up short like that. Um, you know you, you got to tip your hat sometimes too. You know I mean we had a plan for them. You know we tried to commit you know more to the perimeter, and they ran the ball effectively. Um, then we had to put a few more in the box and play man. And they won in man. You know I mean got to tip your hat. They had a good plan. You know offensively, we wanted to be more efficient. We wanted to move the ball. You know quick game runs we felt like we had a good design good plan um you know i'm kicking myself you always do whenever you get in the middle of the, the third quarter and second quarter and you have a couple drives that stall out can you kind of get away from it a little bit but um you know i thought our kids played really hard and uh, i'm gonna tell you this you know we ask them to fight and we ask them to fight for four quarters and play really hard and they did you know we, we didn't have our best night tonight certainly um but one thing i know about this team and this staff is we're gonna come back and, and we'll be better next week because of it Meanwhile, the McNeese State Cowboys went to the Swamp and um, scored seven points in the fourth quarter. In mop-up time, the Gators win it 49-7. to And um, as said before, the uh, Cowboys get their nice check and come home from there. Meanwhile, the Saints, uh, look. That defense was really, really good. You hold down, um, you hold down the Titans like they did, and uh, you got to be pretty darn pleased. Um, turnovers, three interceptions, block punt, all added to it. Here is Dennis Allen talking about those takeaways by the Saints. Guys made some plays, you know what I mean? Um, you know, look, I thought the I thought the block punt gave us a little bit of energy there early in the game, um, you know, and then um, I think our guys had opportunities to make plays on the ball, and they finished and capitalized on it. And I think that's probably uh, something that we've, we, uh, you know, maybe didn't execute as much um, in the previous season, but um, our guys made some plays when they needed to, and, and uh, it was good to see. I thought, I thought defensively, I thought, I thought it was pretty, pretty good. It was very good. Much more 
uh, to come on all of this as we get rolling here. When we return, recap the Saints win with Chris Roseverglue next. You're listening to ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in southwest Louisiana. Well, we are back. Oh, the irony of it all. Um, Ex-Saints kicker Will Lutz missed a PAT and a 55-yard field goal. And Sean Payton's Denver Broncos lost 17-16 to to a Raiders team that Derek Carr left to be the quarterback on the team that Sean Payton left, coached by a guy who used to coach the Raiders and work for Sean Payton, Dennis Allen. How about that? Um, player of the game to me, Rashid Shaheed, 216 all-purpose yards, a career high, was the highest total by a Saints player since Alvin Kamara had 283 in the regular season finale against the Bucks in 2017. His 89 yards receiving was also a career high. Uh, Rashid Shaheed and the Saints get the win. Of course, Chris Roseverglue, kind enough to join us, Boot Crew Media, and follows the Saints and does a great job covering them. Christopher, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Jordy. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you, as always. Um, Or the defense was stout. Pressure on the quarterback was terrific. Uh, heck, they limited Derrick Henry, I think 12 yards total in the second half. Uh, you got to give the game ball to the defense, right? Absolutely. I mean, this defense had seven interceptions all of last season. They ended up having three yesterday, and I think an argument could be made that they would have had far more had they just ended up catching the ones that were thrown to them. Uh, the defensive yeah. line, constant pressure in Tannehill's face. I thought Carl Granderson was one of the standouts yesterday uh, for New Orleans. And I think what I loved about the defense was even the backups. There was a moment where Marshawn Lattimore sits down and all of a sudden Isaac Yadam ends up having the tip drill for a Marcus May interception. There's a moment where Alante Taylor goes out because he's cramping and all of a sudden Ugo Amadi has a pass breakup that he very well could have turned into a pick six had he ended up just coming down with the ball. So I thought this was just all around. The starters, the, the, the secondary players, everyone from the defense stepped up. It was a Super Bowl caliber looking defense, at least for week one. Defense was terrific. Uh, special teams included a key blocked punt. Um, and Derek Carr, uh, maybe not. Look, they couldn't run the football at all, and that's an area of concern. Alvin Kamara, please come back. Uh, but Derek Carr made the throws that he needed to, particularly that third down with about two minutes to play. And they threw the deep ball, and they just got after it. And that, I mean, thought that was terrific. Absolutely. Look, and, and I just did my second viewing about an hour ago just to see if anything looked different to me. And I actually think that I'm a little bit more fond of the way Derek Carr played after the second viewing because you realize some of the throws he made, uh, specifically one to Rashid Shahid that did not count. It was the one towards the corner of the end zone that he made was just an outstanding throw from Derek Carr with a lot of pressure, was flushed out. And I know people are worried about the red zone issues and whether or not I think it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Was he not great in the red zone yesterday? Yes, but the pressure was all, all, always there, specifically from the left side of the line, not just pending. I thought Hurst had a rough day, too. But to what you said, at the end of the day, the Saints brought in Derek Carr to make those big plays when they needed it most. And the best throw of the game was in crunch time when the Saints had to have it. Pressure in his face, 41-yard throw to Rashid Shahid. And at the end of the day, 
he did exactly that, and I don't think the Saints have had a quarterback the last two years that would be able to make that throw that Derek Carr made towards the end of the game. And that's, I agree 100%, and that's why uh, the confidence that Keith Carmichael has in Carr, he doesn't call that play last year with Jameis Winston or whoever is in the game. They run the ball, and they, they punt it, and they, they hope and pray that the defense can hold on. But with the game on the line, Carmichael um, had the stones to call the play Carr, um, had the talent to deliver the play, and and that's why probably a year ago the Saints lose this game. Absolutely, and and I want to give Pete Carmichael credit for everything he did yesterday towards the end of the game. They made sure that yeah. they were chipping on the defensive end to give Trevor Penning some protection. They made sure that they didn't just go with those standard run plays up the middle that weren't going anywhere. They were diversifying their run calls with end around to Rashid Shahid that worked fairly well. And again, like you said, late in the game, what do they do? Second and third down on the last drive of the game, they end up letting Derek Carr throw it. And like you said, they would not have done that last year. And I just thought Pete Carr called a pretty good game. It's tough to call a great game when your left side of the line is just collapsing every time. But I think the Saints will get better over time. And we also have to add, which is something you mentioned, I mean, you didn't have Alvin for this game either. Life's a little bit easier when you have 41 in the backfield. So I think things will only get better for the Saints. And I do agree, there's a confidence in the quarterback room that wasn't there the last couple of years. And I think that's going to be the driving force behind this team outside of having an already an elite defense. Look, we didn't expect the running game to be great. It struggled in the preseason, and uh, there's no reason to think why it would have gotten better. But 27 carries for only 69 yards. The longest run was 11. Week four, Kamara comes back. Um, Other than, you know, it it was just other than Carr, other than the pass defense, Blake Groupie goes three for three. The rest of the game, nothing was particularly good. Nothing was particularly bad. It was just one of those games, except for one of those bugaboos that that haunted the Saints last year, and it's haunting them again now. Seven penalties, three pre-snap violations on offense, three defensive holding pass interference calls, each of which led to a Titans first down. Those, Those were bugaboos a year ago. I hope they can clean those things up. I agree, and and there was two holding calls in particular. One was that on Alante Taylor extended the drive the Titans got a field goal out of. Another one was on Paulson Adebo. Titans extended the drive got a field goal out of. And again, I don't want to you know you know harp on the defense when they only give up 15 points and didn't let the Titans in the end zone. But I I think they can take this defense to another gear, and if they're going to do that, it's to your point being a little clean there. But I want to give the Saints props a lot, I would say, in winning two out of the three phases. If I take out, and it's hard to take out because they spotted them three points off the bat, the Rashid Shaheed opening kickoff return uh, being a fumble, obviously that's a nightmare. But since then, I thought Lou Headley did well with punts, averaged 48 yards per punt. Uh, you mentioned Blake Groupie. He was three for three. Broncos end up losing by one point, and Will Lutz missed both an extra point and a 50-plus yard field goal attempt. Yes. And then I got to also yes. give credit to Zach Ball and block punt there. So I thought the Saints in two out of the three phases, at least, if you take out the opening kickoff, were dominant in two out of three. And I think if they can do that consistently, we'll see them stack the wins like Dennis Allen said post game. Let, let's just be honest. If you do this, you complete seventy percent of your passes for three hundred and five yards. You force three takeaways. You block a punt. And you hold your opponent to two successful third down conversions in 12 attempts, you're going to win a lot of football games. I don't know if that's sustainable, but for one day, it sure looked good. 
It absolutely did. And I would say even if it's not sustainable, I think the mistakes the Saints made are very easy to correct. And I'd say the first one that would be easy to correct is the Derek Carr interception. He said it after the game. He, quote, said it was a stupid play on his part. So, you know, I love the accountability. Just got to make sure he cleans that up because I thought the two-minute offense before that looked really good. So I think for New Orleans, yeah, the line of what they did yesterday, it's very hard to replicate that, that formula every single time. But I do think that this Saints offense can get better, and when that happens, I think there's going to be a lot less pressure on the defense to be perfect every single game because they're not going to be able to force three turnovers every single game. But I I do think that this team does have the pieces. And yesterday, I would say, was a more encouraging week one win than last year when they pulled that crazy comeback out of nowhere against the Falcons. All right, up next, they go in conference. It's a Monday night game. I'm surprised by it, but glad for it. Uh, the Saints will be in Carolina to take on the Panthers. The Panthers lost their opener uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so here is a great opportunity to go get one on the road. Week three looks like it's going to be a little tougher. Jordan Love looked pretty good. The Packers looked really good in their win over the Bears. And then you got the Bucks at home. Who who would have thought the Bucks would win their opener against the Minnesota Vikings? You can't ever tell anything in this league. It is a crazy league. I will say Minnesota was on the list of teams that I wasn't very high on coming into this year as opposed to last year because you always have teams that end up who missed the playoffs last year making it the following year and then ones that made it missed it. And I would put Minnesota in that category. I didn't see them losing to Tampa Bay. But overall, though, if you just look at the first four games, if I were to be fair and say, okay, the Green Bay game on the road, they looked really dynamic yesterday. That's going to be a tough game. If the Saints can find a way to win week two at Carolina, which is a very winnable game, and then take yeah. care of business at home week four against Tampa, I think a 3-1 and start would be perfect for this team. They don't need to be 4-0. They don't need to be the most perfect team in the world. They just need to handle right. the games that are very manageable. They did that yesterday, and I think similar formula has to be said for week two and week four against Tampa. Quarterbacks right. that maybe you have questions about, one a rookie, one a journeyman in Baker Mayfield, continue to get pressure, and just play complimentary football. I think if the Saints are able to do that, we'll see them in just about every single game, even the ones that might look tougher than most. Is a running game possible? I mean, is Tennessee that good against the run, or was the Saints, or were the Saints just that bad? It's, it was a little mixture of both, but I say I got to give credit to Tennessee. They've been one of the most stout run defenses since Mike Vrabel got there. They were top five in that unit last year. They're just so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons does so much for that unit in terms of just clogging up the middle of the trenches. But I think for New Orleans, just not having Alvin, not having Kendrick Miller, there was no one else to go to in terms of just mixing it up in terms of change of pace, right. getting those outside stretch runs that they like to do with Alvin. So I think it's, it's kind of a combination. I want to give Tennessee their props because I think that's a well-coached defense by a really good coach. And I want to say also for New Orleans, I think things will be better and look a little bit more dynamic once you get another running back in. Even if it's just Kendrick Miller, I think the Saints will look a little bit better in terms of running the football because Jamal won't have to feel like every carry is one of those grinded-out type of plays and you're just overworking him in that role. So I think it's a mixture of both, but the Lions got to play better too. Upon the rewatch, I saw a lot of whiffs from Ruiz. I saw a couple of whiffs whiffs from James Hurst. Those got to get cleaned up, and I think those should be cleaned up, and they will. But that's where it all starts. If the Saints can take care of theirs, I think as the weeks go on, that run game will start to find its form. What's great is you you win a game without playing your best game. Now you're at home now, and and you're supposed to win at home, and you're you held on for dear life on that one. So 
Uh, but, man, I love the skill position people. I love Jawan Johnson, the tight end, and I love that three-headed monster of uh, Alavi, Shahid, and Michael Thomas. That's that's a formidable group. If they can just give Derek Carr a little bit of time, man, I like the Saints' chances offensively to put up more, a lot more points than what they did against a very good Tennessee defense. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the passing unit that they have right now, you know, early in the game, we see a little bit of Michael Thomas. You feel good about him. And then as the game progressed, I thought Olave and Shaquille just kept getting better and better. And now we also have to factor at some point you're going to get Alvin in. And I don't know how defenses, if Derek Carr is given time, and that's why I think the offensive line is going to be the determining factor of how far the Saints team goes. If you give Derek Carr time, you're trying to cover up all the deep balls in terms of what Olave and Shaheed can do. You're worried about the middle of the field with a guy like Michael Thomas and a guy like Jawan Johnson, and then all the underneath stuff that Alvin brings to the table. I just don't know how the Saints would be able to get stopped offensively, especially if P. Carmichael could get into a rhythm with calling plays. And the one thing I do want to say from yesterday, you see 16 points. You kind of assume it might be a rough game in terms of the, of the passing game. The passing game looked really good when Derek Carr had time, like really good. And had he hit that deep throw to Olave that should have been DPI and they didn't end up calling it, we're looking right. at him finishing his Saints debut with at least 360 passing yards. So I think this passing game will get it going. I'm not worried about it. It's more so keeping Derek Carr protected because I think there already is a solid trust level and already solid connections. Him and Olave looks like money. Him and Michael Thomas, that seems to be good. He seems very comfortable with Jawan Johnson. So – I agree. The skill position of this Saints team, I don't remember the last time they were this loaded when it comes to I'm having passing weapons at their disposal. I don't remember three wideouts like that. Um, they don't They don't care how much you win by when you play in the NFL. They just care whether you win or lose. The Saints get the win. They're 1-0. Happy days are here again. We'll see a very a winnable game against Carolina if they come ready to play. Chris Rose for Glue is always ready to play. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. Can't wait to talk next week. Uh, you got it, my friend. Every Monday, we are thrilled to get Chris Rosevoglu and his recap of the Saints. LSU Talk with Glenn West next. You're listening to ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers. Right, welcome back, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. LSU gets a win over Grambling, 72-70. to 70. We know now that LSU's game against Arkansas, that's an 11 o'clock game coming up against um, Mississippi State in Starkville. LSU's SEC home opener uh, with Arkansas has um, been declared, and that will be a September 23rd. Under the Tiger Stadium lights, it'll be a 6 p.m. kickoff. The game will be televised by ESPN, and you can hear all the LSU games right here on uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Glenn West, 0247 Sports, joins us each and every Monday for his recap of the Tigers. Glenn, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jordy, how are you? I'm good. So what do we learn? 72 to 10. What, what do you, what do you learn from that? What, what's your takeaway? Yeah, I think probably you can look at it from a couple different angles. I think offensively you did exactly what you'd hope a good offense does in this game. You know, you score 10 touchdowns on 10 drives to open up the game. And um, <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it was never in doubt. I mean, like it was, no. it was a, it was a really flawless performance, I think, from the offense as a whole. Um, you know, Brian Kelly talked about 
just some things that um, they'll, they'll continue to work on. I think Jaden Daniels missed a few passes that uh, they would like to see him convert on, uh, you know, come SEC play and certainly in more important situations going forward. But um, it's kind of hard to knock too much about uh, what the offense did on Saturday. The I think the bigger question and kind of concern coming in uh, to this week yeah. is going to be on the defense. It's just yeah. um, you gave up. 179 yards in the first quarter to, to Grambling, um, over 250, I believe, in the first half. Um, that 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 can't happen. I mean, that's that's you've got to be able to show a little bit more uh, consistency on the defensive side of the ball. I thought that Grambling really ran uh, at will in, in the first half, which was something that I didn't expect to happen. Rising. Yep. Hans Williams was their running back, had I think well over 100 yards. Is only six carries into his performance. So portal. Um, Transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's going to grab him. He was a quick, flat, quick, quick back for sure. And they had trouble covering him. So, uh, but they made their adjustments. I mean, Grambling scored, I think on two of their first three drives. And then after the third drive, they didn't score again. And so um, LSU held them to punts and a couple turnovers uh, throughout the rest of the game. So you got, you got it under control eventually, but you would like to see kind of the first team go out there and really assert its dominance right from the start. Okay, uh, forget about who you're playing against. You score 10 times in 10 drives. That's that's hard to do against air. So yeah. congratulations on that. couple of things. Um, Logan Diggs, Caleb Jackson. They look better to me than anything else out there. They just do. They look like they've got something between the two of them. They got to do it. I think the experiment on the offensive line, I like moving Emory Jones inside. And Lance Hurd on the outside. I don't know what that does for Miles Frazier. I don't know what they do this week. Uh, but those are two noticeable things to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think that LSU certainly leans into uh, the Lance Hurd experiment. I think they really liked what they saw on film. We just got done talking with Brian Kelly about an hour ago. Um, and he he talked about just uh, they, they think they're, they're going to continue rotating Lance Hurd in with this starting lineup. You know, it's going to be – Probably Miles Frazier starting at right guard, but every other series you're going to see that rotation where they slide Emory Jones in and Zalance Hurd to right tackle. And um, I think it's something that one of the things that I really noticed was throughout that game, they had no qualms or trouble uh, running to the right side. I thought that Zalance Hurd was in the right assignment, the right gaps, and they were opening up some good holes, uh, which is what you'd expect them to do against a team like Grambling. So um, but and then the second part of that, the running game, I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think Diggs is a guy that they're really going to lean into heavily here. I think he's got to be your your X factor back. I think we've said that going back into the spring that yeah. he's the guy with the most potential, I think, to affect LSU's running, running attack in a positive way. Stinks you weren't able to get him out there for Florida State. He was still a little bit too hurt. Um, but now you can really move forward, I think, with a really special player uh, and, and lean into what he does best. Frank Wilson, the running back coach, likes to play a lot of people. I, you know, I'm mm, I'm not in favor of that. If you got somebody that can go, let him go. So that's on the positive side. You mentioned defensively, um, Mason Smith, 35 snaps, rusty, right? Rusty, yeah, rusty, definitely rusty. I mean, part of the struggles in that first half were you know, LSU's defensive line did not protect the run very well at all, and I, I thought that Mason. 
uh, was certainly a part of that. Uh, certainly with what you got also with uh, Jordan Jefferson and Makai Wingo. And uh, they just, they weren't able to really uh, get a whole lot of pressure uh, in the first half. And some of that was grambling, getting the ball out very quickly as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where uh, you, you chalk it up to a little bit of first game rust and, uh, hope that he can get it together soon. I think LSU is going to explore the possibility of moving him across the defensive line a little bit more going forward. You might see him at D end a little bit. Uh, he'll uh -huh. certainly still play some D tackle, but um, he, he's a great pass rusher and, and when he's healthy and when he's right. So I, I do think that they're really going to lean into him and, and continue to uptake that, that, that snap count. And that's the other thing that needs to happen. They've got to develop a better pass rush because yeah. It is glaringly obvious that this secondary needs help. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't get a pass rush, even the best of secondaries, you make them run around there and chase people around for four seconds. You can't cover receivers like that, but they got to figure out a way to get pressure. And maybe that will allevi alleviate some of the pressure on the secondary. Yeah, this is going to be a really great test, I think, for LSU this week. I mean, Will Rogers is one of the more veteran quarterbacks in the yep. SEC. Um, he's a, he's a typical drop back passer. You know, he's not a guy that's going to scramble for a ton of yards. Um, he's going to drop back and throw it and, and, and be pretty accurate. So, uh, this is going to be a great test for LSU's front seven to try to get some pressure on them. Um, they've been much more balanced this year, Mississippi state with the run. They've really featured the run a lot more with Jaquavius marks. Um, so really that front seven is going to have, uh, I think probably the the biggest challenge ahead of them um, that they've um, you know just in terms of uh, the 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 veterans that they're playing in this in this group and uh, I, I really like LSU's uh, you know way that they came out of that game on Grambling I thought that they did a good job of just kind of uh, developing some of that mindset that they talked so much about last week and I really thought that you know the, the the front seven kind of developed over time and did a nice job, especially when guys like Weston Whit Weeks got in there in the second half. You saw some of the uh, the backups get in there, and I thought um, there were some more players that maybe earned some more opportunities going forward that I think you could see uh, against Mississippi State a little bit more significantly. One of those maybe Chris Hilton. Um, yeah, you know yeah. he didn't play at all against FSU. He had two catches and he had a. A nice 47-yard touchdown grab. Maybe he gets it. Look, Mississippi State is not Florida State, but Mississippi State is also not Grambling. Right. You got to go on the road. You got to play at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, LSU better be ready. And they better they better bring their um their offensive and defensive lines in there and and get ready to get after it. Yeah, they 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 gotta they gotta show that they can play in the morning too. I mean, last year yeah. you remember that Arkansas game? They they did not play a very good game in Arkansas a year ago, and that was an early morning game as well. Um, they they they've got to show that they can they can control the line of scrimmage against a team like this. I mean, they've um, they, they did not do a very good job of that against Florida State. Um, the the Mississippi State offensive and defensive line I think has some holes in it that you should be able to exploit, um, but they they've got to do a much better job this week uh, of controlling the line of scrimmage against a more quality opponent. Uh, I think if they're able to do that, if you're able to see some growth, um, it's just another building block that you can kind of stack here. I mean, the one thing about the SEC here through two weeks 
It feels as wide open as it's wide been open. in a while. Yes. So yes. Uh, if LSU yes. comes out and does a really good job this weekend, I think that that can be a great momentum boost for them heading into the the meat of their 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 conference schedule. Alabama gets beat by ten. A and M on the road gets beat double digits by Miami. Miami looks looks pretty good. Miami and Florida State look a lot uh, better than I thought they would be. Um, well, Miami for sure. Um, the other big question mark going into the game: What what are they going to do with Harold Perkins? What did you see? What what was anything different at all there? Yeah, they they definitely lined him up more in the slot this last game. They 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 came they brought him off the edge some, not as much as I think I probably would have liked to see, but. Um, they they kind of made him more of a traditional outside linebacker this this game than where he was playing mostly inside linebacker against Florida State. Um, he had a good he had a couple good plays in, in coverage. Um, in the very first play of the game, he really came up and made a fantastic hit um, on some guy uh, in the slot, and that was a great great job of him out on the perimeter using his speed. I think the biggest thing here is just what what the balance is going to be with him going forward. I, I honestly don't know that LSU has a great answer for it right now. I think that they've got to figure out a way for him to pin his ears back and get into the backfield. Um, but teams are going to be scheming for that. You know, they, they, especially now that you're an SEC play, a lot of these teams have seen him before. Um, he had a really nice kind of end of the 2022 season through conference play. Um, and he's his, he's a player that's so much built on his speed um, the, the physicality and the the weight and the the the, the power needs to kind of match the speed, uh, and I think LSU is just having a troubling time right now trying to balance the two. Matt House, do me a favor, go back and get the tape from the Dallas Cowboys New York Giants game from last night, and watch where Dallas lines up number eleven. He's outside. He's up in the A gap. He's in the B gap, and he is always on attack mode. Always. Yeah. Uh, Micah Parsons, that's that's what you got to do. So, look, um, LSU didn't look like a team worthy of its preseason ranking in the opener against Florida State. Saturday, it did what it's supposed to do. It, it did not play down to the level of the competition. They just mopped the floor with them. After two weeks, I still don't know what this LSU team is. Through no I, fault I don't either. Own, I just don't know what they are. Yeah, um, I, I think it's fair to assume that. I mean, I think... I think offensively you're going to see a much more consistent team than they showed in the second half of Florida State. I do think that they are a much better offense than that. I don't think that's something that you can consistently expect to to see from LSU going forward. Um, the real question here is going to be can the defense start to make some some significant improvements because if not, if you see a similar start to like last weekend, you could be – kind of finding yourself in a shootout uh, early in this game. And and, and that, that's going to put a lot of pressure on this offense. And um, certainly the defense has a lot of questions that I think they still need to answer, um, not the least of which is the secondary, which we haven't talked a whole ton about. But that that, that is what do you a do? huge yeah, well, What do you do there? I mean, Denver Harris gets to play. Um, he's still not completely out of the doghouse. From, uh, if, if I'm reading between the tea leaves with Brian Kelly. Uh, but he's playing. I don't have the solution there. I don't know what you do, it's, particularly against yeah. good teams. It's a work in progress, and I, I you know, I, I don't know that Denver is uh, completely, like you said, uh, earned the trust of this coaching staff yet. Uh, I think they've started to see some signs, which is why you saw him in the game a lot against Grambling. Um, didn't see a whole lot of Sage Ryan in that game. I think 
for a very good reason. I think that you know, he really struggled against Florida State, maybe needed to hit the reset button himself. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I the, the tackling is going to be a big, big question. You know, you got to be able to tackle in the secondary um, against some of these SEC teams. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, Brian Kelly talked a lot today about technique and tactics and, uh, you know, he thought that they were very physical with Grambling, but you're supposed to be physical with Grambling. You're supposed wow. to be able to have that. And so you really – I think this is going to be a big weekend for them in terms of really seeing where they're at, um, if, if they, they feel like that they've made the right kind of strides uh, to be a, a much improved team going forward. If you can't get to the quarterback, jump up. You may block a pass or two. I hate that Mike Leach is no longer with us. I'd be scared to death if he were coaching this team on Saturday with that oh, yeah. air raid that he runs. I mean, no telling how many yards they could pass. I'm not saying they'd beat LSU, but they, they'd make me worry a significant, significant amount. So 11 o'clock this Saturday on the road against Mississippi State, and then the home SEC opener, 6 o'clock against Arkansas. Get your uh, – at least the road trip is not that bad. Starkville's not too oh. far away, but, but as always, Mondays are better for us and we're much more intelligent after we talk to you. So thank you, sir. Thank you. It'll be my first time in Starkville, so I had to bring the earplugs. Yeah, that's right. The cowbells, they'll be a-ringing. Glenn West, thank you from two, Go247 Sports. We'll take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one next. Go sign up for our rewards club at ESPNSouthwestLouisiana.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and much more. This is ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Recognize some of our partners right here and now, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks Cleaning America's Air from the inside out. And by the Louisiana Lottery. So many chances to win, but you can't win until you start playing. And please... Play responsibly. Uh, coming up, our number two, we're going to hear more from uh, the Saints, the Cajuns, and the Tigers. Uh, and Blake Rafino will join us as well for his Monday um, impressions of this uh, LSU football team. We've got uh, the NFL on tonight on 1037 uh, Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. What a, what a closer um, to uh week one so many surprises in this in in week one in the nfl um but uh we got the bills and the jets the bills and the jets and we'll delve into this a little bit more in our number two but man um uh, san francisco looks really really good whole question of the day thanks for the reminder james mesh take it away yeah, so the KK's Cafe poll question of the day, with that Saints win, it was kind of inspired by that. We had asked, what impressed you about the Saints' week one win over Tennessee? Was it the secondary forcing three turnovers, the three interceptions? Was it Carr doing just enough, getting the ball spread around to his receivers? Was it the kicks that were made by rookie Blake Groupie? Or was it something else? And right now, 84% of the votes have gone very handily towards the defense forcing the three interceptions. Yeah, uh, and I think hand in hand with that, uh, great pressure from the Saints' uh, defensive line. Great pressure. Tannehill uh, at times looked like he was a rookie quarterback with all the stunts and things and, and getting after him. 
Maybe they didn't sack him all the time, but man, they affected him and he was hearing some footsteps. We'll delve more into the Saints um, in hour number two, which is coming up next right here on the Jordy Helpert Show on ESPN 1037 Lafayette, ESPN 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the uh, Houston Astros, who now have a two and a half game lead in their division over Seattle. Next. This is ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That's right. Can you dig it? It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Can you dig it? The Jordy Holberg Show with your host, the blonde bomber himself. Can you dig it? Jordy Holberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Monday, September the 11th, the year 2023. Hard to believe it's been 22 years since four coordinated Islamic suicide terrorist attacks carried out by al-Qaeda against the United States changed our world forever. And as an annual ceremony to remember those who died on this day 22 years ago, uh, a ceremony was held in lower Manhattan today. Wow. Just think of what our world was like before that. Think of what our world is like since then, when the World Trade Center in New York, Pentagon, uh, all attacked. Never, ever, ever forget. Never, ever forget. Um, But we move on because we are a sports and entertainment show, and that's what we try to do each and every day. James Mesh inside the Evco Development Studios in the producer's chair, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is ESPN 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ ESPN 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world thanks to our free mobile app, ESPN Southwest Louisiana.com. I know we had college football. I know we had the NFL mixed in between the two of those. Two of the best tennis matches I've ever seen. Congratulations to Coco Golf um, beating Miss Sabalenka to win the women's title on Saturday and Novak Djokovic beating Medvedev yesterday to win the men's U.S. Open title, and his 24th Grand Slam title overall. It was spectacular tennis. Uh, It was just thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining. Other than football, um, we've got Major League Baseball. um, As the Astros are, um, I don't know what your favorite team is, uh, but since we are the home for the Houston Astros, we, we talk about them a lot. Astros are 82 up, 62 down, a a two-and-a-half game lead over the Seattle Mariners, who have lost three in a row. The Astros have won two in a row, and they've got some some winnable games. If they take care of business, they've got the the Oakland A's for three, and they've got the Royals for three before they start uh, thinking about the Baltimore Orioles, who are definitely – a playoff team. They've won 90 games with a three game lead over Tampa Bay. So um, yeah, Oakland, the bottom of the barrel, uh, Kansas with 44 wins, Kansas city with 44 wins. Um, you got to take care of business, get on a, get on a nice win streak here. 
Um, and boy, you can wrap up this this division. Um, so, one hundred and forty four games in, we're getting down to the to the stretch run. Uh, a lot of jockeying for wild card spots and playoff bids. Uh, so we've got all that coming up. Uh, college football is in full swing. The NFL getting underway. Ryder Cup right around the corner. Can't wait for that. So uh, there you go. Um, Blake Rafino will join us in this hour, and uh, we'll talk more about the uh, the LSU Tigers. Meanwhile, the Saints um, defense was outstanding. Um, Derek Carr made the big plays when they needed to do it. Saints got three interceptions. They blocked a punt. Um, all those things, very, very good. Um, so let's hear from some of the Saints. We heard from Dennis Allen in hour number one. James, if you don't mind, Cam Jordan, uh, the Saints defense actually picks to shut out when it comes to allowing a team into the end zone. They only allowed field goals um, for the most part. Uh, here's Cam talking about the Saints defense. Whatever it takes to win. Um, I think we did a lot of good things. Um, we gave them life in one, on one of their runs, so, you know, extended them out to the red zone. And I think we could have kept points off the board. Uh, we got to hone in on some things. They had a screen that went for like 60. I think that was the longest throw of the day. And that's something that, again, we have to hone on. We can't allow any explosives. In terms of on the run, I think they still had five point something to clip. When I looked up, it was 5.8 at halftime, and we hate that. That's something we can hone in on. I mean, we know they want to be run heavy. I think the kid, Ty J. Spears, I uh, watched a little bit of Tulane. I really like his game, and he, he does a lot in the backfield. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think our defensive line played great. Uh, you talk about uh, my guy, Carl Grandison. If you're going to try and chip me, just look out for the other side. Um, I think our young buck clearly shows he's got, he got some specialness when it, when it comes down to the third third downs. Um, and, of course, Double D's, you know, he's right there. Everywhere, everywhere you think you, you, you think you got a free spot, Double D shows up. So Cam Jordan praising the defense as well. They should. Uh, they limited Derrick Henry completely. They made Ryan Tannehill have to throw the ball to beat them. They pinned their ears back. They put pressure on them. They got to him, and they got caused three interceptions. Could have been four or five interceptions easily. I mean, I saw for one, Marshawn Lattimore should have had one, uh, which would have been his second of the day. Uh, he just dropped it. Uh, Derek Carr. Um for over 300 yards on the day um and he's got uh, a lot of weapons at his disposal including michael thomas who he says sees things like a quarterback does he just he sees things the way quarterbacks see him you know he sees things uh, you know with certain reps and certain routes he, he's like hey when they goes home i did this to, you good i'm like yeah i'm good and like he was like third in the progression on that one i'm like but now i know if these are shut out, I know he's going to do it, bam, right when we see that. So it just helps you so much. You get to him quicker, you know. Uh, you know, even on that third down, I almost gave him a little hand signal. Or second down, I almost gave him a hand signal just because I saw something. There was one earlier in the game, I gave him a hand signal, and he ran perfect. We were about to hit when they hit the ball, you know. Uh, you know, and he, you know, I wish we had that play for Mike, you know. Uh, but I don't know. He just sees things the way I want him as a quarterback, and it's really impressive. Eric Carr spread the ball around. Eight receptions by Chris Olave, five by Rashid Shahid, five by Michael Thomas, three by his tight end, Jawan Johnson, two by his running back, Jamal Williams, coming out of the backfield. 23 completions for 305 yards and a touchdown. Here's uh, Derek Carr talking about spreading the wealth. 
today was awesome because the ball was so spread around so much, you know. And you know, Chris obviously went over 100, and that's fantasy people's favorite thing ever. And uh, he did that for them. But uh, you know, it, when we can spread it out, no matter who gets the 100, no matter who gets the touchdown, uh, you know, as long as we keep that that mindset of big team, little me, uh, you, hopefully we'll see a lot of good days for Chris and Chi and Mike and Juwan and everybody. And so. Uh, the fact that we were able to spread it around, everybody made their plays when they were called upon. Uh, that's good to see from, as a quarterback because now I can trust them all. You know, now if they're doubling him or they're playing Robert, I can go to this guy. I can trust him to win. I can. You know, it, it helps me with my decision making for sure. Pete Carmichael trusted Derek Carr. Derek Carr trusted Rashid Shahid. Um, third down, right around two minutes. Saints need a first down to help sign, seal, and deliver the win. They call up the long ball. A 40-something yard completion. Here's Shahid on the deep ball to help seal the game. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, Derek, before the possession started, he came right up to me. And he was like, just run as fast as he can. And then I'm going to throw it. So I knew um, going out there that he was going to give me an opportunity. And um, you know, I was able to create some separation through the great ball. And I was able to get two feet in and you know, maintain that drive uh, to, to you know, maintain that. So Shahid's 216 all-purpose yards was a career high. It was the highest total by a Saints player since Alvin Kamara had 283 in the regular season finale against the Bucks in 2017. His 89 yards receiving was also a career high. So, you know he trusts. Michael Thomas, you know Derek Carr trusts Chris Olave. Now he's got this trust in Rashid Shahid. I, I think Jawan Johnson's going to have a heck of a year. The Saints have weapons. They really do have weapons. Um, what concerns you are the Saints and their offensive line and their inability to run the football. Trevor Penning, first-round pick a year ago, struggled. Dennis Allen, are you concerned with Trevor Penning's performance Sunday? Uh, no, I'm not concerned. Um, this guy's going to be a good player. Um, you got a young guy that's playing against a extremely good front. So uh, does he have to get better? Absolutely. Um, am I concerned? No. Um, I think we just keep our head down and keep going to work. Um, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep getting better and we'll make our evaluations, you know, when we get to the seat, end of the season, see where we're at. But um, I think this kid's going to be just fine. All right. Uh, always positive. Dennis Allen. We'll hear from uh, the Cajuns. We'll hear from the Tigers and some thoughts on week one in the NFL when we return after this time out. The biggest headlines in the world of sports are discussed here. ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Uh, a little tidbits again. LSU will um, be taking on Mississippi State this Saturday in Starkville, 11 o'clock kickoff, which means uh, we'll be on the airwaves bright and early here covering everything uh, LSU. Uh, Brian Kelly, after the ball game, uh, you know, the 72 to, to 10 win over Grambling. Talked about he liked the effort, but you know what? He still says there is work to be done, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, I, 
it's. I mean, to 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 have ten straight possessions to score in this game um, when somebody doesn't want you to score is really hard. Um, you have to execute at a very very high level. That doesn't happen very often. I've been doing it for over thirty years. Um, you have to have focus. You have to have an attention to detail. Um, you have to have playmakers. You have to have guys making good choices, good decisions. Uh, very few penalties, uh, miscues um, with that first unit in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, look, are there things that we have to do better? Absolutely. You know, and the competition picks up. So I'm not, I'm not going to leave here going, hey, you know, we've got this thing figured out. I mean, the competition is going to be steep. We're going to go on the road. We got to tackle better on defense. You know, we missed too many tackles, um, and you know we got to continue to develop the players. You know, you saw first-time starters out there again tonight. You know, um, Denver Harris is a first-time you know starter for us. You know, you saw Ashton Stamps out there for the first time. These guys are going to have to play key roles for us, and you know, you saw um, you know Harold Perkins in a new position again. You know, so you know there's still a lot of work to be done. Still a lot of work to be done. Got to get a pass rush. Got to get a pass rush. That will help solve some of the dilemmas in the back end. Um, I think they found two running backs. I really do. Um, And I think Logan Diggs is going to make a difference. Here's Brian Kelly on the former fighting Irish running back from the state of Louisiana who's back home and the running game in general. Yeah, you know, we knew what we were getting with Logan and, you know, we played for me at uh, Notre Dame, and I knew what we were going to get from him. It just mattered of getting him healthy. Um, we weren't going to play him unless he felt really good, and he felt good and he had a good week of practice. And, look, you got to prepare the right way. He prepared the right way, and he was ready to play. And I think we saw the, the kind of back that um, is going to help us. And, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, Caleb, you know, brought a toughness and physicality to our running game as well. And, you know, we uh, – we get Emory, John Emery back next week. Um, you know, we, we think we, we've added to that position where we, we should have a real effective running game. All right, so the Tigers uh, will start prepping for Mississippi State. The Raging Cajuns had a tough one, tough one Saturday, losing on the road to Old Dominion. Uh, 38-31. to 31. Up next for the Cajuns, a road game, 6 o'clock kickoff in Birmingham against UAB. Back home Saturday, September 23rd, was announced that the Cajuns uh, will take on Buffalo. It's a 6.30 kickoff at Cajun Field. So, um, tough one. Here is Mike Desimo talking about, look, they, in the fourth quarter, Louisiana was down, and... Um, they, they, they marched down. They got 90-yard drive, score. They get the ball back. They go on a long drive yet again. They come up just short. Here's Coach Dez and his thoughts on the last drive. Felt like we had some good play calls that we worked in there. Um, you know, play action and some dropbacks that we felt like, you know, we had a chance on, you know, you're trying to get guys open, and we'll see it on tape. You know, I mean, I thought maybe we had the corner early. I can't tell from the other side of the field, you know. So Ben didn't feel good about throwing it, so he threw it away, which I thought was a good decision. We had some more, you know, plays available to us. We had timeouts. Uh, you know, and in the last play, it's tough going to your left on a sprint out. And ideally, we run it from the other hash, but it's a really good play that we 
felt like we had. I thought the kids executed it well. You know, and the ball just didn't get there. So, I mean, those things are going to happen. Um, it's just tough, man. You know, you go all the way down there, and, and your kids believe the whole way. And, uh, you know, to, to, to come up a little short like that, uh, those, those just kind of, they haunt you a little bit. You know what they say, stats are for losers. That, that's the old cliche. The Raging Cajuns won every statistical category you can think of except the only one that counts and that's the final score. They, they, they 458 to total offense uh, to 392. Threw it for 285, ran for 173, had six yards per play. They had 24 first downs to Old Dominion's 20. Um, they, they just, they two for three on fourth down efficiency. They had 76 plays as compared to ODU's 54. Didn't turn the ball over, didn't throw an interception, Dominated time of possession, possession, 37-31 to 22-29. Defense has to do something where 31 points is enough to win, right? It's enough to win. Um, gave up 145 yards on the ground. Here's Coach Dez uh, talking about what happened against the run where they gave up 7.3 yards a rush. You know, I thought they did a really good job. They slowed down the tempo of the back, and uh, we were running some games and stuff up front, and they let the games kind of play itself out, and then the back would hit it. I mean, they, they had a really slow mesh and tempo, and you, know, you got to give them credit. They covered it up pretty good. Uh, we couldn't really penetrate through there and kind of get any knockback, and the backs did a good job. They were really patient. Um, I think they made some good adjustments, and at halftime we kind of went and said, all right, well, let's try to get out of the games and just play. And... Um, you know, we were a little bit better in the second half against the run, but then they hit some shots over us. One of the big high uh, surprises of the day, maybe, uh, was Jacob Cabote. I ran the ball 10 times, got 54 yards, 5.4 yards a pop. I had one pass reception for a long 37-yard gain and a touchdown. The head coach on Mr. Cabote. And I'm, I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of that guy. He's been through more than, like, anybody knows. And, you know, to see a guy that last year we thought was going to be his coming out, and it just didn't really happen that way. You know, he kind of got banged up and just didn't work. And it's like, you know, you felt for him then. And this year he just worked his tail off. I mean, you know, truthfully, we thought he was going to want to leave after last year. That never even came up. I mean, he was just like, Coach, what do I have to do to play? And we told him, we said, you have to, you have to do the hard things better. You have to play tough. You have to pick up pass protection. You got to stick your face in it. You got to finish runs. You got to get downhill, which is not things that he did naturally well. And he just did it every day from spring to fall camp into the season. And, and he's playing well for us. And I, I'm happy for us, obviously. But man, I'm so proud of that kid because there's just so many times that he could have thrown in the towel and just tapped out. And, and he just, just he, he's not who he is. There you go. So uh, on the road to take on UAB, back-to-back -back road trips, going to be tough uh, for the Cajuns. They look terrific offensively. 31 points ought to be enough. Uh, the defense didn't hold up on that one. So there you go. Um, college football, my goodness gracious. Uh, felt terrible for Tulane without their starting quarterback when they had to play against Ole Miss with a little knee injury. Uh, but Tulane represented themselves very, very well. Uh, Ole Miss scored a bunch of points uh, late, including a scoop and score uh, to win it. I thought Texas was terrific in the 34-24 win 
in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and, and when you look at Texas A&M going on the road and losing to Miami, I mean, look, Miami looks good. Uh, they look good. Florida State's really good. Um, so, you, you know, it's it's it just gives you the impression that uh, the SEC West for years and years and years uh, with so with just like it was like Mike Tyson in the ring. Teams feared playing against SEC West opponents, but uh, not anymore. The, the SEC West, it looks completely wide open for whoever wants to take it, um, whoever wants it, uh, because it looks like all these teams have flaws. All these teams have good players, but it's not a great team, not a great team out there. Uh, so everybody's now saying they're changing of the guard in the SEC. There are a lot of people saying it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road. Uh, but um, it's tough. It's tough. Utah keeps winning without their starting quarterback. Man, they stole one from uh, against Dave Aranda on a very questionable late call. Um, Colorado keeps on keeping on. They just keep on winning. They are a fun team to watch. It is absolutely amazing what a coach can bring to a club. And doing it the, the, just the look, the days of an Alabama dominating, those days are over because everybody now has money to offer and players want to go where they can play, where they can play. Uh, and, and that's that's the big ticket. That's it. And so you're not going to see this, this stuff anymore like that. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see uh can can colorado continue to do this well what an atmosphere it was i don't know why they played that game at at 11 o'clock our time that's 10 o'clock uh out there in boulder but you know tv runs the roost it just runs the roost so um great atmosphere college football is terrific uh there is no doubt about it i, I still don't know what lsu is I still don't because they played a really good team and they got blasted in the second half. Blasted. They were right there in the first half and then whatever happened at halftime, they came out sleepwalking, grambling. Okay, you know, you're, you're supposed to beat them. You did. Don't learn. I don't learn anything from that other than you give some kids some confidence. That's the main thing. You give them confidence. You come away healthy. You get to play a lot of people, so the locker room's happy. Practice this week ought to be good. That's all you get from it. That's all you get. I know they move people around. They did this and that. But there's a reason why players come to LSU. These aren't the Eddie Robinson days of Grambling, where he's got uh, you know, Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Famers on his team. Those days are long gone. Long gone. Um, so you did what you're supposed to do. So I still don't know what this team is, uh, but we'll find out a little bit more. Again, you know, there's no more Mike Leach in this air raid where they just they just 
get in the shotgun and they just throw it and they throw it quick passes here, there, quick passes here, there. And uh, if they're hot, you're in trouble. If you don't put pressure on the quarterback, you're in trouble. Hard to put pressure on the quarterback because they got rid of the ball so quickly. Well, he's not there anymore. It's a different type of Mississippi State ball club. Um, but LSU still needs to shore up some things for them to accomplish their goals, which are all still out there. I'm telling you, they're all still out there. Hopefully this is a team that keeps getting better and better week after week after week. Uh, they got to find out who the, who their players are. They got to find out who they can count on and they got to let, let them play, let them play. All right. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, we'll talk with Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast about these LSU Tigers and much more next. You're listening to ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back. Uh, LSU traveling to Starkville, 11 o'clock kickoff Saturday against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. LSU's a 10.5-point early favorite in the game with the over-under at 53-and-a-half. But let's look back on uh, Saturday's, uh, you know, 72-10. to 10. That's all I'm going to say. Um, with our good friend Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Podcast. Good mor- morning. Good afternoon, Blake. How are you? Doing good, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. All right. Um, let's see. Where do we go? Other than, you know, they dominated. They scored touchdowns on their on their 10 possessions. That's terrific. It's hard to do against anybody, but they did it. Um, what did you think of the offensive line moving her to right tackle, moving Emory Jones into right guard? How much more are we going to see of that? What did you what did you examine and learn from that? Yeah, Jordan, in our film breakdown, I think Lance Hurd did really good. Or like what he wants to be called, Lance Hurd. Um, Against an NFL guy, right? I mean, a guy that, you know, a lot of people have on their their board as day two, day three. You know, um, Grambling does have a lot of former FBS players on it, and I don't think that should be alarming. They had some highlights, but you did what you needed to do offensively along the offensive line. Uh, I thought they looked really well. I think the line's more complete with um, Hurd at right tackle, but uh, I know it's scrambling, but Miles Frazier had his best game as a Tiger, whether that be last year, even when they played Southern and, and New Mexico and all these different teams, you know, the competition really brought the best out of him this week as he had a dominating game uh, in his own right. So I think that they responded okay. in a way that they needed to respond. You know, Jordy, you, you break down that Florida State film, and running backs had a lot of issue along with the O-line and missing wide-open holes. Logan Diggs did not have that issue, and a lot of the same gaps that LSU generated um, – so I thought that they looked good there. Um, I'm assuming a lot of our time will be spent defensively, but offensively they, they look solid. A couple throws that Jane Daniels has got a hit. He missed Aaron Anderson a couple times, missed Chris Hilton once, um, not throwing the ball deep, hitting Malik multiple times, which he got a lot of yards after the catch. But, I mean, he was pretty flawless in his own right. So offense, you know, flawless all around. 
Uh, today, Brian Kelly said that both Mason Taylor, who left and didn't return with an ankle injury, and Omar Spates, the linebacker, are probable this week against Mississippi State, and they'll need all hands uh, on deck with that one. Defensively, it comes down to this to me. You tell me. Uh, Got to find a pass rush to help that defensive yeah. secondary out. If you don't have a pass rush, good teams are going to just pick this LSU secondary apart. Yes or no? Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, and look, um, Brian Kelly can't say this, but I can. Okay. When he goes out here on Monday and says the team has to play more discipline on defense up front, Jordan, they're not playing their assignments. They're just they're just not. And the new guys that Brian Kelly's brought in, Makai Wingo uh, and others, are. The guys that he inherited are not. You know, I, I think that um, there was a lot to be desired on number zero's behalf this week when you turn on the film. Now, there's a lot to take into that. Jordy's his first game back, first game in 20 months. You know, a lot yeah. to take into that, right? So – Right, um, but he do, he does have to be better. Like the the long runs on third and seventeen, the long run on third and twenty, that just cannot happen. I mean, LSU went to a dime package to prevent the the pass, and when that happens, you can't pass, you can't rush the passer and play out of assignment against a guy like Hugh Jackson. You just can't. I mean, Jordy. I mean, look, Hugh Jackson might have not had success in the NFL as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator, he made it to seven straight playoff appearances as a number one offense twice in his career. He's a really good play caller. So, um, defense, Jordy, here's the problem that that I have with this though. I know that you have one sack there in two games. They're met. Grambling made you up and said, beat me. And you didn't. Right. Right. I mean, so there does come to an extent of like, you can't give the fade route in, in the back of the end zone if you're Denver Harris. It was horrendous technique. He's got to go and swipe that ball down. He can't be pushing with his right hand. He's got to get – if he's not going to turn his head to the ball and it's going to be more of a back sh- shoulder fade, he's got to get his left hand up. That's just things that you know that Robert Steeples is teaching. Um, and, and it just, you know – Bad all around. But, you know, what, what's interesting is the pat, the penalty against Jacoby and Guillory uh, that Grambling committed uh, and the guy hitting him in the face mask and him, you know, not retaliating is, is smart. They didn't, you know, they gave up 61 yards the next three quarters. And so, I mean, they, they started to lock in. But after that, Jordy, they were, you know, before that, I should say, they did not look good at all. Oh, well. What do you do with this secondary? I mean, they're they're putting people in left and right, trying to figure this thing out, and it's still um, a couple of drives early on. I mean, Grambling's moving the ball up and down the field, and you're going like, holy cow, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, I think you got to do different things schematically. You know, you're going to have to get creative. You know, Jordy, we're not – where's the zero blitz? You know, where's the – like, Jordy, if you're going to get beat, okay – if you're going to get beat on particular plays, it's what Durante Jones did a couple of years ago for people that remember. Okay, well, if I'm going to get beat, I, what is, why don't I just absolutely destroy the quarterback? You know, and when you get pressure on a quarterback and he takes hits like that, it's going to affect him. I think you need to get different guys in there. 
you know, the, the simple fact you haven't run Deshaun Womack out there yet on first-team defense, it, it, quite honestly, Jordy, from Matt House's perspective, I, I'm starting to question some things, right? Brain Swinson. Mm-hmm. I, I like Ovia Gofu, but Brain Swinson's playing better than him, okay? So yeah. there are just things that schematically, up, you know, right now are not working. Jordy, they're just not. All right, you got you have third you have third and uh, twelve, and I get that you're LSU run man to man coverage, but you're not LSU right now in the sense of being a DB. You got to right. do things schematically to to help this unit out. Get them some sparks. Sort of where is the corner blitz? You know, I know they ran it a couple times against Florida State and got burned on it, and it kind of scars you. That's Florida State. Right? Like, did it not work against Florida State in a scrambling quarterback, or did it not? Is it not going to work for the rest of the season? So, I know you don't want to show a lot of things, but, Jordan, here's my outright conclusion. And I don't want to go like less miles on this. Well, we don't want to show anything. Jordan, the more you show on film, the more you have to prepare for. I agree. Okay? So, you know, it's just, it's idiotic to me. I agree. Um, State this weekend two and zero in Zach Arnett's first uh, regular season game since taking over after yep. the death of uh, Mike Leach. Um, they're different. They rely on running the ball a lot more, despite having Will Rogers back there. They they're two hundred and twenty two rushing yards per game and wins over your alma mater, Southeast Louisiana, and um, yep. a near uh, a narrow win over Pac twelve foe Arizona. I'm I mean. I'm sorry that Mike Leach is gone. I, I'd be I'd be scared to death if he was still there with Will Rogers. The way they threw the ball around the yard, I'd be scared to death against this team. Yeah, I mean I would be too, and you still they still should be, right? I mean, yeah. the reason that they ran the ball as much as they did, Jordan, is because they were having a lot of success in, you know, and so Will Rogers can play in any game that you want him to play in. That's right. So with that being, you know, with that being said, just because they did it, you know, <clears throat> Mississippi State's a team that just because you see them this week offensively doesn't mean that it's going to translate to next week. I think they're going to have to throw the ball when I will shoot. You know, yeah. um, I oh, don't everybody's think going to. Line. Yes, yes. You know, I don't, I don't think that they're going to have to. I, I just don't think Mississippi State can line up and run against you, even though I just said those things about LSU defensive front. Um, but, but. You know, I I just don't, you know, look, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to do schematically defensively, and you're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at them. Jordy, the time of not throwing the kitchen sink at everybody stops this weekend. Okay? Throw the kitchen sink at them. You got to change things up. I would throw it all the time against this LSU defense and make them prove to me they can stop me. Um, One thing that I liked, I know it's grambling, but I can just tell by looking at people who has it, who doesn't have it. Logan Diggs got it. And that dude needs to play, and he, he needs to get the ball, and he needs to be um, a factor offensively. I think Caleb Jackson is going to be really, really good. I think he needs to play as well. Putting in four or five running backs, I think those days I'd be over, man. You you got to just go with – that's just me personally. you got to let Diggs work up a lather, I, I think. 
Yeah, and you want to see him have a, another good week along with Caleb Jackson. You know you do get John Emery back this week. It will be – you know, we didn't see Trey Bradford this weekend. Um, right. It'll be interesting to see how they work in Emory into this offense, if they do it all to some extent. Uh, but I agree, you're going to have to give it the ball to number three and number 28 and say go get it. And, uh, Jordy, the, you know, uh, Les, Les Miles scarred us in a lot of ways as LSU fans, but there is nothing wrong with lining up and running the ball for three yards. Nothing. No. Nothing. Okay. You know, like we, we've gotten away from that. But if you turn on the NFL yesterday and you'll turn it on again tonight with the Jets, uh, Jordy, you got it. If you run for three yards per carry, the old adage is, is that, okay, well, eventually you're going to bust through it. And, and so the more conscious effort of running the football, okay, against this team. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Number one, to your point, I, I do think that, that Mississippi State's going to throw the ball, but not at the. Probably getting the ball out quick from Rodgers to these receivers. You know, it's a lot like what yeah. Sark did against uh, Alabama this week. Hey, you yeah. know what? You got a young secondary or a bad secondary, and I'm just going to throw bubble screens and make you tackle. That's what that's they right. did. I think that's what they'll do that's here. Right. Um, but yeah. the second thing about this that really worries me about Mississippi State, Jordy, they have two linebackers that are the best duo in the country, Jed Johnson. You know, I, I, was, I tweeted this out on our social media at AYS Sports. Jordy, watching that film yesterday, they had three interceptions this past weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And they are all over the place. You think If you think that you're not going to have to be creative offensively against this linebacker court, you're, you're going to have to. You're going to have to throw the back out of the backfield, okay? That's why I think John Emery coming back is a big deal, okay? You're going to have to get your running backs out in space. Running right at these two linebackers in this three-three-five stack is not going to bode well for you early. I said it the same. I said the same thing about Florida State. We'll say the same thing about uh, here in reference to Mississippi State, Jordy. Just because you're not running the ball early or only getting one, two, three yards per carry doesn't mean you get away from it. But you're going to have to get your banks out in space because this linebacker core is bet. I would make the argument, unless you play Georgia, will be the best linebacking core you'll see all year. So uh, two NFL guys, two guys who will probably get drafted second, third round, and they fly rounds of the football. You need to get your you, – LSU fans need to know the name Jet Johnson right now because he is an outright dude. He's probably going to be another uh, – have another All-American, All-SEC type of, of year. And uh, just you're going to have to circle him. All right. Um, we saw Alabama lose uh, to Texas. We saw yep. Texas A&M go on the road, lose to Miami. There's not a great team in the West. This thing's wide open. Who wants it? You know what I mean? Who wants it the most? Well, Jordan, I think the entire SEC is wide open. You know, Georgia has not shown anything yet. They'll get tested here in the next couple you know, weeks. Uh, I say tested, but tested more than they have been. Um but Alabama, until they make a quarterback change, Jordy, you can go on the road and beat them. Like I told you on your program, like I know that we had the video that went viral, whatever, I was never worried about Alabama. I was worried about Florida State. Now, that's, that first part has come to fruition. Going on the road and playing them does not, does not scare me right now. Okay? Now, everybody turns on the game and says Texas whooped them. No, they didn't. Jordy, they were, I think, 7 of 19, Texas was, on third down. And they're one-fourth down fumble away from Alabama, who has the lead. 
that could probably milk the clock there in the fourth quarter and try to run the football and end that thing. Like, Jordan, we're talking about – I know it's a 10-point game there at the end, but we're really talking about a one-possession game there early, early into the fourth quarter, a lot like what happened with Florida State and LSU. So, yes, it's big for Texas to get the win on the road against Alabama, gets the monkey off of Sarkeesian's back. Don't act like yeah. that game that Alabama did not throw that game away by not putting in a new quarterback. Um, A&M just couldn't do it. Uh, no, they couldn't. Miami's, Miami's better, but A&M's the same old A&M. You know what's interesting about that game, Jordy? Miami only ran the ball for 77 yards. That A&M front is nasty. They are nasty. But Tyler Van Dyke in the second half when the DBs can't cover anybody for Texas A&M, they got worn down and Van Dyke throws for, I think, 250 in the second half. And they they just got roasted in this DB room, you know, and all the money in the world that they spent two years ago meant nothing. Yeah. Really, what's even crazier is one of their best DBs that they had on your team. (laughs) So they they got blasted. And I think I think I think that Miami and Florida State games in November. So that Ooh. right Ooh. now they do look like two teams on a mission. They sure do. And Cristobal is uh, keeping the wolves at bay. There's no question. Jimbo, he's not. He is not at all. Well, all right, well, uh, Blake Rafino. The, other- the the Miami's coordinators too, Jordy. You want to talk about a hot name? Dan Brock moves on. House moves on. <laughs> okay. There you have it. Blake, thank you, buddy. Have fun this week. Thanks, guys. See you next week. You, See you, Jordan. You got it. Blake Rafino with the Are You Serious podcast. We're back. Final poll results uh, and some birthday wishes when we return. Go check out our YouTube channel at ESPN underscore SWLA for the latest episodes of Miguez Mindset, Over Par, and so much more. That's ESPN Southwest Louisiana Sports Station on YouTube. Uh, We're back, wrapping up this uh, Monday edition. Uh, final poll results there, Mr. Mesh, please. Yeah, Jory. So with the KK's Cafe poll question of the day, we had asked you on Facebook and on X, based off of the Saints' win against Tennessee yesterday, what impressed you the most about the black and gold? Was it the secondary forcing three interceptions? Was it Derek Hart doing just enough to seal the win for the Saints? Was it the kicks that rookie Blake Groupie made in his debut, or was it other 84% sticks with secondary forcing the three interceptions? The next closest at just 7% was the kicks that were made. 5% had car, and then the final 4% had other. Okay. Um, anytime you get three interceptions, right, that's, that's going to win the deal. James, thank you so much. Um, special thanks to our guest today, Chris Rosevagoo on the Saints win, Glenn West on LSU, and Blake Rafino on uh, – LSU, Mississippi State coming up this weekend. Um, Tomorrow, Black and Gold Report. We'll have uh, Blake Topmeyer on to talk about the SEC and their troubles so far this football season and much, much more. So, uh, James, thank you again for all you do to help make this show run so smoothly. Thanks to all of you that listen in, whatever form or fashion that you do. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, Thanks to our partners like um, DC's Little Capital Exxon, Cajun Chef, the Louisiana Lottery, Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, Ducks, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, Demco, 
and the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Louisiana. Thank you for your support. Um, until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Hofer, 1 to 3 p.m., ESPN 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Um, do everything, you know, just stay thirsty. Be healthy. That's the most important thing. Let's be kind to one another. It's not hard to do. And figure out a way to be happy. Life's too short. Um, have a great rest of your day, everybody. AFR next. <laughs>